The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hello, Dr. Ray. Hi, Dr. Ray. How are you? I'm sure I'm going to get really good advice from you. Well, I don't know about that. You know, I was looking for a deeper answer. You came to the wrong place. So what do I do? Well, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do. This is wonderful advice. This is what I needed to hear. You're right on track with us. You're right on track. Everybody make a mistake. Does that comfort you? No. Am I close? No. You are the best thing that has ever happened to people. Did I make you feel a lot better or what? No, you made me feel worse. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Yeah, she said I'm the best thing that happened to people, but she didn't say which people. That narrows it down, because that can change the whole tenor of the compliment. If you're the best thing that happened to bad people, that's not good. Nice to have you with me. This is Dr. Ray program. The Doctor is in variant of the program. I used to say version. Not anymore. Not anymore. Variant. It's our language. The variant of the program, E-Person Monday. Why do you say person, Dr. Ray? It's email. No, because I've been accused of not being sensitive enough, so I've been working on my sensitivity. Matter of fact, I think I display a fair amount of toxic sensitivity. So male is really patriarchal, gender insensitive. E-person? Actually, it's going to have to be E-people at one day because person still has sun in it again kind of an allusion to the xy chromosome we'll get to your calls momentarily well they're not your calls they're your written calls anything else i gotta do here oh i just got this um the lord says that do it a certain way it's good for you do it another way it's bad for you Unfortunately, we think we're smarter than God, so we do it our way. Here is, by statistics, the safest place in the world. Automobiles are responsible for 20% of all fatal accidents. Don't stay home. 17% of all accidents occur in the home. Be careful about streets and sidewalks when you walk. 14% of all accidents occur to pedestrians. Don't travel by air, rail, or water. That's 16% of accidents. Of the remaining 33%, 32% of all deaths occur in hospitals. So above all, avoid hospitals. However, you will be pleased to learn that 0.001%. Now that's one thousandths of 1% of all deaths occur in church. And these are usually related to previous physical disorders. Therefore, logic, in the words of Mr. Spock, logic would dictate, Captain, that the safest place for you to be at any given point in time is church. Once again, Lord knows what he's talking about. I've commented before on this program about the law of social entropy. The law of Physical entropy is a thermodynamic law which rules the universe. Everything decays. The law of social entropy says that 
relationships tend to decay often through familiarity, not through hostility, but familiarity. We get we get sloppy. We get lazy in the relationship. We don't compliment as much. We don't use our manners as much. We're nowhere near as pleasant and easy to get along with as we were in the first year or two of the relationship. Not necessarily because we mean to be or we could care less about the other person because we love them. We've been married 28 years and we we think very highly of our spouse, but we just get sloppy. In compliment comatose marriages... I have a, I have a an exercise that I advise. It's, it's one of the simple steps to stronger marriages in my most recent book, Simple Steps to a Stronger Marriage. I believe it's chapter nine. It's called Make a List. What exactly does that mean? It means you are to think about and write down everything you can conjure up. That you appreciate, you like, or you admire about your spouse. Now, if this is an exercise in agony, I think you got to look at yourself. This is not necessarily a reflection of how deficient your spouse is. This is a reflection of you having gotten into a terrible habit of not noticing anything good because you've either gotten lazy or because some of the bad stuff has overshadowed everything else. Everybody has positive qualities or talents or skills. She makes great bread. He drops me off at the door when it's raining. You could go on and on and on and on about these things if you think about them. There's a couple of rules in this list. One, you want to make it of... Some substance, some heft, some length. You don't want to have three. You don't want to go to your spouse and say, well, I've written down the things I really like about you. This won't take long. There's three of them because that's an insult. I'm, I'm pretty sure that your attempt to be complimentary with only three on your list will go down in flames. You want to make it positive. You don't say things like, well, you don't interrupt me as much as you used to. The house is not as slovenly as it was last year. Now, you don't want to do the old, you're not as bad as you used to be compliment. You want to find things. Now, if you need some time, then take your time. Don't tell your spouse, I'm uh, making up a list, you know, of all the things I like about you. I started it last month, and I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Got five on there. Give me another month or two, I could probably get it up to ten. Oh, you don't want to do that. And as I said, if you're struggling to find items for that list, you better look at yourself. Because you've stopped looking. You've just gotten to the point where you aren't willing to give any credit anywhere because you either don't like this person or you've just become so lazy in the relationship you don't even look for the good stuff. And there's all kinds of stuff. There's there's no limit. You can find all kinds of things. You keep yourself in shape. You dress nice. It's a beautiful haircut. You're a good painter. I it could go on and on and on and on and on. You listen to Dr. Ray. That's, that counts. That counts. You can do that in there. Early in our marriage, my wife and I would every so often be laying in bed, 
and say, okay, I want to tell you all the things I like about you. Now I'd go first. And usually she'd fall asleep while I was moving through my list. Then I'd wake her up and I'd say, your turn, honey. And she'd say, well, give me, give me some time to think about this. Can I, can, I, can I check back with you tomorrow night? I said, no, here. Here's the list that I made about myself, my positives. Just sign it. Just sign it. Why write it down? Why not just say it? Because writing makes you think deeper. Anybody who's written an article or written a book or even written a letter to someone trying to clear up a piece of friction in the relationship, you know that when you put your thoughts on paper, more comes to mind. And you have a chance to extrapolate, to embellish, to broaden the stuff you're thinking about. If you, if you go up to your spouse and say, I, want to just, I just want to tell you some of the things I like about you, and then you start stuttering after about the third one, oh, that sounds real bad. Okay, okay, wait, wait, just give me another minute. Give me another minute. I'll, I'll come up with something here. I'll come up with something. No, no, you got to have the list in your hand so that you're not stumped. And you've got this big, nice, long list of 27 things. You could eat. You could do 27 things in five minutes. You could. I know you're thinking, oh, Dr. Ray, you don't know what I live with. You could. These don't have to necessarily be wonderful personality attributes. They can be anything about a person that is positive. You mow the lawn in straight lines. You always keep the place so nice. You always take the trash out and I don't even ask. There's all kinds of things you can say. All kinds of stuff. And it's probably stuff you haven't said for years. Because you just took it for granted. You just assumed. Make a list. You'll shock your spouse. You really will. They'll wonder what you're up to. But I think it's a, it's a good thing to do. And don't let them know you're doing it until you present them with the final product. And then you find some private place that you can sit, maybe late at night or in bed or on the couch, and make sure the kids aren't around anymore. They're upstairs sleeping or wherever they might be, so you have uninterrupted time. Make a list. I'm Dr. Ray. I don't want to talk about it. You don't want to talk about it? Then why did you bring it up in the first place? She was a mystic and reformer who died at the age of 33. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Catherine of Siena accomplished something no one thought possible. She convinced Pope Gregory XI to return to Rome after the popes had lived in France for almost the whole of the 14th century. They've been there ever since. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plan, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton, some of our children. Tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. 
over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to seatonhome.org. That is seatonhome.org. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. E-Person Monday. Interesting the way this starts. Interesting choice of words. Should I quietly divorce? Now, when you hear the word divorce, you're thinking marriage, right? Should I quietly divorce a friend from 20 years ago? Well, that's an interesting way to put it. Let's find out what's going on. We met in college. We even spent a summer together studying overseas. After college, we were maids of honor at each other's weddings. The college we attended was in my hometown. Over the years, I have visited her in her city about four hours away, quite a few times. She has only come to my hometown when college was in session and never returned. Now, I don't quite know what that means, college was in session, whether, whether she'd come to revisit the college. We hardly ever talk on the phone, maybe once a year. We will text here and there, but the common theme with her is she's just so busy. I got to tell you, don't don't do that to somebody. Boy, you know, I would have called you. I tell you, I have just been so busy. You know what that says? <laughs> You're not in my list of priorities. I got stuff I got to do. I got to trim the bushes in the front yard, and you just really don't enter my schedule. Even if Even if it's because you've been so busy, don't say it. It's kind of like an insult. I don't have time for you. Just be, be admit, be admit it. Just say, yeah, I'm sorry, I haven't called. All right. So she says she is just so busy. Well, think about this. They talk once a year, and the reason she doesn't talk more than once a year is she's busy. So apparently. Every minute of every day is occupied, and she can't call. Now, that's just an excuse. There's just total, weak, flaming excuse. I'm setting this up for something here. All right. Uh She is a teacher at a prestigious high school. She has two children. I have three. I'm always the one reaching out. 
writer, what's that tell you? Think about this. A friendship is two ways. Now, it's not 50-50. A lot of friendships are 60-40, even 70-30, but yours sounds like it's 99-1. So are you clinging to it because at one time you were close and at one time you were close kind of geographically? You went to the same college. I look at the pictures of my wedding and the groomsmen. There are several groomsmen there that I don't see at all anymore. One I haven't seen for years. This happens. The flow of life takes people apart. Social psychologists have done studies, and you know the number one theme for friendships? What forms friendships? You're not going to believe this. No, no, it's not common interests. Proximity. You work together. You live next door. You go to the same church. That's really what stabilizes many, many friendships. She says, apparently I'm better at time management and thinking of other people. She has a question mark after that. Well, I don't think it has anything to do with time management. I think it's just your friend is essentially saying, my life has gone in this direction and you're really not part of it anymore. Now, I know that sounds callous, but maybe it's not just callous. It's maybe she's decided, yeah, that was a, that was a, a good time once upon a time when we were young and carefree and carrying on, but I, I've just got a lot of stuff pulling on me in different directions. Your conflict seems to be, am I doing wrong by simply pulling away from this friendship? Why? I have a lot of guys that I played ball with, and... During the time we played ball, we we just did so much stuff together. We played ball constantly, went to tournaments, we traveled, we went out to eat after all the games. Majority of these guys I'll never see again. People from church that we're very close to, we used to do a lot of things together. They moved to another city. Haven't seen them for years. Last year I did an experiment. I'm back at the E-person now. And I never reached out once to her. Last year, the whole year. See if she would notice. She called me a week before my daughter was due in October. I answered. She asked how we were doing, and I said, well, and that we had a new baby on the way in a week. She was shocked. Gave congratulations and said she had no idea. I thought maybe she would notice, and what I think the writer means is she would notice that she's so out of touch with my life that my kid is pregnant had the baby, and she didn't know any of it all the way through. Instead, she just complained again about how busy she was. The last two years, I sent her a Christmas card. She sent me none because she said she ran out of time and was too busy. (laughs) After about 20 years of being friends, and she puts friends in quotes, and I would put it in quotes too. You, you didn't have a friendship for 20 years. You had a friendship back when. The turning point for me was during COVID when our family had gotten sick with a virus. I said we were not vaccinated and we were sick with COVID. We were chatting via text message. She said she was vaccinated and offered no sympathy. 
like, hope you get well, sorry you're sick. Nothing. Just a, we are vaccinated. <laughs> well, this is an aside. The research is coming out that those vaccinations now are pretty much ineffective, at least over time, especially the first ones. Now, anyway, they've lost their effectiveness. So, here's the, here's the question of our writer. I'm trying to keep this friendship alive. I'm not getting cooperation from the other end. Is it wrong of me to simply pull away? No, not at all. Why? There's nothing that morally obligates us to be friends with people who have been friends in our past that show no interest anymore to being friends. This, this, is not a, this is not a Christian issue. It's a social one. The people that I'm friends with now, I have several that have lasted a lifetime. But the vast majority have moved on in different directions. I just recently made arrangements to visit a psychologist friend of mine who I was very, very close to for about 15 years. I probably haven't seen him for 10 years. Haven't talked to him for 10 years. Maybe more. Okay. It wasn't because I'm cold-hearted or he's cold-hearted. It's because life has taken us in different directions. You seem to have a very admirable desire to keep up connections. I think that's a beautiful trait. But if the other person on the other end is giving you every signal in the world... I'm not interested in keeping up that connection. I personally wouldn't spend a whole lot more time or Christmas cards on it. She goes on, I understand that certain people have more energy than others to get things done. But don't people create their own busy? Well, of course they do. They create their own priorities. You're not a priority. She doesn't have a priority to even send you a Christmas card. I mean, that is every signal in the world that she isn't wanting to keep this friendship up. Is that a sign of something else going on in their lives? Well, most likely it is that she is headed in different directions. She's got her kid. She's got her teaching. She's got new friends. She's got people she hangs around with. There's no doubt in my mind she has people that she spends an enormous amount of time interacting with. People probably in her city. Or where she works. And that's where she's put her energy. Am I being insensitive? No. I don't. How? Am I? I'm still left with the feeling like the friendship is one-sided. Well, it is one-sided. It's not a feeling. It's a reality. Friendship is one-sided. Yet, if it's been a while and I reach out with a how's it's going text, I always hear, thanks for reaching out. Well, that's just kind of a benign sort of response let me ask you this how many texts has she used to reach out to you she says like I've done some sort of favor or maybe she's just being polite I think she's just being polite our personalities are different so I try to be sympathetic but sometimes I also feel like I should just stop and let her go thoughts (laughs) I just gave you a whole bunch see no reason why you should pour any more effort into this relationship. Why? She's giving you every indication that she's not reciprocating on this. 
You want to keep the connection up, but you're the only one. I wouldn't feel insulted. I wouldn't take it personal. I would just view it as this is how she is looking at what was once a relationship of two very young girls in their lives. I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time being distressed over it. All right. I'm Dr. Ray. Thanks for being with me here on this E-Person Monday. Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What does this strange beatitude mean? Well, Father Victor Feltz points out that George Bailey, in It's a Wonderful Life, embodies this beatitude. He has to sacrifice his bucket list items and his dreams in order to save the building and loan company of Bedford Falls. But by the end of the movie, he realizes that he's truly the richest man in town. The Beatitudes challenge our understanding of happiness both as individuals and as a society. They're paradoxical and they upend our priorities. We don't need anyone to tell us that good fortune, money, and success do often make us happy. But we wouldn't have thought that the road to riches in God's kingdom is paved with meekness. It doesn't mean denying your gifts, but it does challenge us to allow others to have the spotlight and to approach them with gentleness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. The following is a medical moment. Hi, I'm Bobby Schindler, brother of Terry Schiavo. In 2005, my sister experienced a brain injury, leaving her unable to speak for herself and make her own decisions regarding medical care. Since she had not established a healthcare agent by creating a healthcare durable power of attorney, the courts decided to leave the medical decisions to Michael, Terry's husband. Because of this, Michael was able to remove Terry's food and water, dehydrating and starving her to death by court order. There are many reasons why someone may need a feeding tube, such as an illness or injury, that leaves a patient with difficulty swallowing. Usually, feeding tubes are short-term solutions until the patient can swallow on their own. St. Pope John Paul II clarified that food and water by tube is basic care owed to patients and not a medical act. We never know when you or a loved one may be faced with an injury. I urge you to have a conversation with your family and to identify a healthcare agent to make sure your life wishes are known and to take the step of finalizing a healthcare power of attorney. It could very well save your lives. This Medical Moment, brought to you by MyLifeAngels.com. Thank you for joining me. I uh, didn't, let's see, didn't make it to the gym today. Nope, that makes five years in a row. <laughs> All right. No, that's not true. I started lifting when I was um, 18. I was a freshman in college. Walked into a weight room with some of the jocks from the Phi Delta Theta fraternity. These guys were the jocks on campus. And they said, you ever bench? I said, No. So they put the weight on there, and I just, 
I was hooked. I was just hooked. Nice to have you with me. Dr. Ray, this is uh, E-Person Monday. <clears throat> I hear you speak so often about consequences. That's right, because that's how the world operates. Like it or not, the world teaches through consequences. Good ones, bad ones. I know there's been a lot of theories out there that parents need to avoid consequences wherever possible. There are, there are some real high-profile people who say that discipline at all should not be used with children. Reason, speaking, compliments, positive, encouragement, that's all good. But if you only do that, you better hope you have the most compliant kid by temperament ever made. But, Dr. Ray, what do you do if the child ups the ante, such as damaging property, injuring siblings or parents, running away, self-injury? Well, over the years, over the decades, I've got a lot of that when parents come in. That makes sense because they come in out of desperation in many cases. He punched me. He kicked a hole in our wall. Two days ago, he ran away and we found him after we called the police. Yes, uh, that, that is sadly oftentimes the trajectory of years of instability or permissiveness or laxness or neglect or harshness just bad parenting so as a result the kids who need guidance who need shaped who need to be lovingly held accountable for their conduct are not with time they get bigger and they get more likely to up the stakes that's exactly right one of my earliest books i I called it escalation. What do you do when you attempt to hold a child accountable for his conduct and he escalates? I tell parents, you do have to have a plan. What what will you do? For example, if the child kicks a hole in your wall, what are you going to do? Are you going to say, well, uh, you have to pay for that, and uh, so your birthday and Christmas money will be mine until it's paid for? Or will you say, now, well, I've, I've got your three favorite video games. I'm going to take them to pay for that. What are you going to do? Most parents don't do that because they, they just are flummoxed. They're completely confused. This, kid's really, this, this kid is really raising the stakes. He goes on. If the child simply rejects parental authority, isn't that the ultimate trump card the child will consider? Using a little... Uh, Euchre lingo there. What do you do to prevent that? Well, to prevent it, and as I tell parents who come in with three, four, five, and six-year-olds, it is in their best interest and in the child's best interest to get this under control now because if you don't, when this kid's 14, you're going to look back on this like it was the good old days. So, right, you anticipate that I need to get this under better control now i I see a lot of loving parents i see a lot of really good people they're they're you don't look at them and say wow boy all kinds of pathology in that home 
That marriage is a mess. No wonder the kids are all messed up. No, no, though these are good people. But they're just so frustrated by this kid's behavior, and 90% of the time, it's because they've the parents have developed some real bad habits in dealing with it. He goes on. It seems to me that a robust notion of love should explain to the child that society and laws will eventually close in on the child. That's true. I've said that in many of my talks. You don't discipline now, the world will. It's that simple. Your discipline, even if you think you're strict, comes with soft landings. Your discipline comes with love. The world's, the world's discipline doesn't come with love. You don't show up for work three days in a row because you're late and you get fired. Your boss isn't going to have all kinds of love and say, I'll tell you what, uh, maybe if you can hold it together for another three days. No. So, he says their compliance with life wisdom is what they must learn. That's true. That's true. But you, you can explain that, but it has to go hand in hand with learning it as a child. When you hit your brother, there are going to be consequences. Well, Dr. Ray, why don't you just work on having a good sibling relationship? If they, if they realize that, that it's important to love their brother, then by extension, they won't punch their brother. Yeah, that, that can happen, but what do you do when he punches his brother? Are you going to allow him to punch his brother until you hopefully reason with him enough over the next four years? No, because what happens is if he's permitted to punch his brother, he's going to keep punching his brother. That's human nature. What amazes me, too, is so many Christians have bought into this that children are just naturally cooperative. They just want to go along with you. And you just have to know how to explain to them the right way with the right amount of love. By the way, discipline is love. It's not tough love. It's love. I want to discipline you now, even though, even though it's hard for me. I'll admit it. Discipline's very hard for me raising my own kids. But I knew I had to because I didn't want the world to do it to him. The world doesn't love him like I do. Parental discipline, Dr. Ray, needs to be ordered towards teaching. That's what it is. Of course it is. It's not ordered towards... Hey, kid, I'm the grown-up. You're the punk. Do it my way or the highway. No, no, no. That kind of discipline doesn't work. Not very well. No. I love you. I'm doing this because I love you. I sent you to the corner for the fourth time today because you were mean to your sister. You can't be mean to your sister. So if I eliminate his option of being mean to his sister, he has two options left. One, he either ignores her totally, or two, he learns to get along with her. Most kids living under the same roof learn to get along with a sibling. But they must be stopped from mistreating the sibling. I always tell parents, if reasoning works for you, go for it. Go for it. If sitting down with a child and explaining works for you, go for it. Setting up choices in win-win scenarios. That's all you have to do. Go for it. Unfortunately, that's not generally effective without limits and consequences.
This program is brought to you in part by MyLifeAngels.com. MyLifeAngels provides peace of mind by notifying you the moment a loved one enters an emergency room. Right on your smartphone, you'll have instant access to everything needed, including all legal documents to ensure you are empowered to protect their life-affirming wishes. MyLifeAngels also alerts hospital ER staff with critical medical information and emergency contacts. More information at MyLifeAngels.com. Miracles are miracles because they're different than regular daily life. A miracle is a reminder that something beyond nature can act within nature. Miracles are meant to open our eyes that more is always going on than just the normal humdrum of the daily life. Miracles are supposed to make us realize that our moral choices are impacting an invisible world that once in a while breaks through into our workaday world. The Blessed Mother predicted the miracle of the sun, and she made it clear that she was using it as proof of the truth of her message. In other words, when the sun stops dancing and you get back to church, to work, to home, remember what's at stake when you pray the rosary. Cresta in the afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. Joining me, Dr. Ray Grady. I was thinking the other day, you know how you try to stay flexible and stretch. They say how important it is to stretch. And I thought if God really wanted me to touch my toes, why didn't he put them on my knees? I can do that. Okay. Let's see Person Monday. Let's see what we got here. What um, This is... My son has just turned 16. He doesn't have his driver's license yet. He's been diagnosed with high-functioning autism when he was six. He has a processing speed of 65% of his peers. Okay, well, processing speed is a little tough to measure, but depends on what kind of processing speed where and what in, in, in what venue, but we'll leave it at that. He had an IEP which is Academic Lingo Individualized Education Plan from K through 8. In other words, he was in a special education classes. In ninth grade, they converted it to a 504. Again, it's another special education plan. He's bright. He's taken honors biology, honors chemistry, honors English, Spanish, well, no, you know, if you're going to have processing speed of 65% in whatever venue it is, you're going to have a heck of a time taking all those honors classes. So 
one or the other is happening here. One, the honors classes are really watered down, or two, that processing speed needs to be reassessed. <clears throat> he wants to become a marine biologist and save all the animals in the ocean. Well, that's a that's a <laughs> that's a pretty grandiose goal. <clears throat> he used to be loving, gentle, and kind. Now, my question, Mom, is when was that? How far back? We lost his father to cancer on January 1st, 2020. That was three and a half years ago. So this, this takes him back to, what, about 12, 12 and a half, 13? Then COVID shut down everything. Yes, yes, yes. That's just one of the many, many unanticipated, unintended ill effects of our COVID heavy-handed response. He's now a high school second semester sophomore. He has a very good upper middle class life. I don't doubt that. Many, many children who are adversarial with their parents have a life that is beyond comprehension in terms of world history, in terms of comfort, in terms of options, in terms of pleasure, in terms of entertainment, in terms of materialism. He doesn't think he has, though. He has seen a therapist at a children's hospital to address his addiction to his phone. Okay, now when a parent says this, first of all, I, one could make the argument of, are we stretching addiction, are we using it too loosely, or is it in fact something that would fall under the traditional definition of addiction? When a parent says this, though, the question I have is, how did this addiction develop? It's much, much harder for a kid to develop an addiction to a phone without a parent's cooperation. We've got to allow it. If we simply give a child the phone and then say, be responsible, the high proportion of them are going to become preoccupied, obsessed, or if you will, addicted he also was addressing his anger with the therapist he lied to her repeatedly agreeing to do things he did not and will never do okay stop right there mom did the therapist ask to talk to you I, this is one of the things the parents will say to me, do you see adolescents? I, say, I don't like to see adolescents, and the reason is I can't know what they're telling me. I've got to talk to the parents, too, because generally the parents are more reliable in their reporting of what is going on. But many therapists fall prey to, oh, wow, this kid seems so reasonable in therapy. He seems so delightful. Oh, and the way he's describing his mother, yeah, she must be very difficult to live with. Look, I've been at this a long time, and years and years and years and years and years ago, I realized you could easily get pulled in by adolescents who trash their parents in such a nice way. She ended the sessions because she believed he is, quote, better now. He's developed a very quick temper, gets very angry, and has physically assaulted me. 
He can't tell me what he's so angry about. He no longer obeys me, tells me no to my face. He's been caught cheating twice at school, and he's addicted to social media and video games. Mom says, so I blocked all on his phone. Mom, why now? You obviously saw this coming. Why now? Were you, were you hoping? He has, started to, he has started threatening to kill himself, but he has no plan, thank God. I'm losing my son. I don't know what to do. I don't want to call the police on my son. Um, if you're getting physically assaulted, that is one of your options. At some point, if you're, it sounds like you're just living in a situation where he is in total control of existence. This is not healthy for him or you. I suggest you go the counseling route again. But you get a good counselor who's willing to talk with you and also will help you find ways to control his what's becoming very out-of-control conduct. And I've, I've had clients in my office who have described what you described. And by the way, in human history, this is quite uncommon that such a high percentage of parents are living in fear of their children. That just did not happen. I've told this story before. I had a friend who was a soldier, a conscript in Saddam Hussein's army. These young men were just forced. They were thrown in desert holes as the Americans came in. And they surrendered. And he used to work out where I worked out. And he now trains Marines in desert warfare. And I asked him, Rahim, do your children act like American children? He, he looked at me like, are you, are, you, are you asking if there's electricity? He said, absolutely not. I said, why not? I mean, they're teenagers. He goes, it's not permitted. It is not permitted. The culture basically says this is not allowed. I said, well, what if one does? He goes, well, they are asked to leave. Whoa. See, Americans wouldn't do that. But yet, one, one could raise the question of, okay, they have far, 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 far less. This undeveloped third world country, so to speak, quasi-third world, has far, far less of this kind of out-of-control, violent, assaultive adolescence, especially males. And the parents are living in fear. Mom says, I was raised by two very strict Catholic parents, so you can imagine my parenting is similar. I love my son. I don't know what to do. Well, Mom, I believe you want your parenting to be similar, but I think what may have happened is for whatever the reason along the way. And I'm not blaming you at all. It's just probably a miscalculation that you allowed things to slip further and further out of your control. Does Dr. Ray actually have a practice? Yes, I do. Or to help parents? Yes, I do. However, I, I work with the parents, and I'm in North Canton, Ohio, so I just see people in my office. Therapy with someone in your area, if nothing else, to help you get this kid under better control. And you might have to, you might have to talk with a therapist and find out their approach because too many therapists just see the kid. And that generally goes nowhere. Adolescents are not good therapy cases in general. And given that this is an out-of-control situation, you might want to talk to local authorities. It's your decision. 
but your son may need to know that you, you better never assault me again. Because if it happened twice, it's likely to happen again. It's not going to go away. I'm Dr. Ray. Don't touch that dial. Dr. Ray will be back. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. If we think like children, can we get a better workout? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. For many of us, getting a workout means going for a run, lifting weights, or doing some push-ups. But are we having fun doing any of those things? Many experts suggest that we need to incorporate play and fun into our workouts, just like when we were kids. We got plenty of exercise, climbing trees, playing ball, or chasing a friend. Now some personal trainers are incorporating childlike routines in their planned workouts to keep things fresh and filled with fun. The experts suggest that we watch kids at play and mirror their exercise. Kids don't usually run for miles and miles. They run, stop, jump, and play. Then they do it again. They mix things up. They laugh, they still sweat, and they still get out of breath. They get a good workout. We can do the same. For more on playful workouts, head over to our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. You know, my grown kids sometimes, uh, when they're asking for money, they text me. And at the end, they, they, they text PLZ. It's supposed to mean please, I guess, which is shorter. Shorter, quicker than please. So I text back no, which is shorter than yes. Good to have you with me. Dr. Ray Grandy here. Program, Dr. Zinn. Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time. My website, drray.com. All 17 books are there and are signed. If you are interested in perusing the bookstore and seeing what we have that might help you in situations. I get a lot of email requests, and many of the questions on the e-persons are addressed directly in one or more of the books. I better hurry on this one. I'm a stay-at-home mom with eight kids. And my retired mother, husband, also works. I have a very chaotic household, multiple people with issues, ADHD, HSP, possible autism in one. And I've begun to try to apply more consistency in my discipline. I think you're wise there, Ma. Do I have to have all my punishments be exactly the same? No, of course not. Depends on the kid. Depends on what works best. Depends on what's easy for you. If you've got eight kids, it would seem to me that in your panoply of consequences, your options, your choices, you pick the ones that you can most easily apply. 
under a 10-year-old, use a corner. Now, here's where she gets into some trouble with her mother. My son was being disrespectful this morning. So I took away his book privilege for the day, and I told him to apologize. You have every right to do that, Mom. You know that, don't you? Your mom. For you to second-guess yourself is meaning that you're saying, well, there obviously is written somewhere the proper approach to dealing with a child who is disrespectful. I must find it because maybe I missed it. See, that's, this is what's happening to parents. There's so much second-guessing. It's like, hey, he mouthed off. Okay, so you took his book privilege away. End of story. This was a horrible thing, according to my mother. Well, she's welcome to think what she wants. You don't have to be moved around by it. She said, I should have sent him to his room. Because that's how I handled a different son the previous day. See what I'm saying? You missed the formula, Mom. Your mom pointed that out to you. You had the formula and you blew it. I got to tell you, Mom, you got to stop second-guessing yourself. And you got to take charge here. You got eight kids. You can't have that kind of chaos. We had 10 kids at home. At one point, they were all under 12. My wife homeschooled. Can you imagine if she didn't have authority? Can you imagine the fires that would have been set? Bombs gone off? Spray painting on the garage walls? She had unquestionable authority. She enforced it. She wasn't a mean lady. They just knew. Don't mess with mom. She's tougher than dad. Mom goes on. Am I wrong? See, there, there's that question. Am I wrong? Mom, you're likely not wrong because you're mom. You're allowed to choose the consequence. You're not unreasonable. You're not neglectful. You're not abusive. You're not hostily nasty. You said, hey, I took his book away. The other one I sent to his room. Okay. But see, you start asking that question. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? What's happening is... You got eight kids, you can spend your whole life second-guessing every move you make. I am just tired of always being considered the cause of our chaos. Well, good news, bad news, Mom. You may be the cause of a lot of this chaos because you don't have confident discipline. But you're not the cause of the chaos because your mother says that you're not following the proper parenting formula. I have a book, most popular discipline book I have. Discipline that lasts a lifetime. It's a hundred of the most common discipline questions I get asked as long as also with dealing with parental self-confidence and authority, resolve, lack of guilt, and lack of second-guessing. It's on my website, drray.com. It is signed. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Andrew Kruchek, for everything you do over there in Ann Arbor. Thanks to all the folks at EWTN and all our wonderful affiliates. Appreciate Chance being on your air. This is Dr. Ray, Walk with God. Not necessarily too many formulas. He wants love. That's a pretty good start. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.